Hi, my name is Bob Brooks, founder of Long in the Tooth Podcast. Most dentists fail to plan ahead for the sale of their practice, which costs them hundreds of thousands of dollars and burdens the ones they love with uncertainty about the future. So every Friday on Long in the Tooth, we share non-clinical insights from dental industry experts to help practice owners prepare for the sale of their practice today so they maximize profitability and peace of mind in the future. For all the hard work you put into building a practice, we believe that you, your family, and your staff deserve to transition after the sale into an even richer and more rewarding season of life. Welcome back again to the Long in the Tooth podcast. Uh, happy to welcome back again Larry Chatterley as our guest on the podcast. Larry has uh, more than 30 years of experience transitioning dental practices. Uh, everything I learned, I learned from Larry. I came on board with Larry about 23, 24 years ago. Uh, he'd been doing it since 1988. I joined him in 99. Um, so to, together, we facilitated a lot of a lot of transitions of dental and dental specialty practices. And there's a few things we picked up along the way that we've learned uh, that are very helpful. If a dentist is contemplating a transition of their practice, we've identified there are many things, but we've narrowed that down to 10 things that a dentist can do to prepare themselves and prepare their practice. First of all, Larry, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate being here, Randon. Appreciate having you. So, Larry, 10 ways. What would you say? What's, what would you start with? First, first of 10 things the dentist can do to prepare themselves. Well, I think defining their expectations, talking about what is the desired result they want to do. Are they looking to sell and just walk away or they want to phase out slowly? Uh, I'm talking about the value that, you know, perception of what, what they feel they need to get out of this practice. Sometimes that equates close to reality and sometimes it does not. Uh, and, and what type of legacy do they want to leave? You know, in other words, talking about their expectations as it relates to the type of transition they want and, and also the type of person that, that they feel would be a good, you know, uh, successor that they to transfer the practice to. I agree. Next, I would say defining their timeline. Uh, some practices sell quickly, certain markets, there's strong demand and they can go quickly. Other markets, it takes a while, but in general, we're seeing, uh, things take longer, uh, practice transitions take longer, um, especially for smaller practices, smaller practices in rural areas. It can take two to five years to find a buyer for some of these. When I say smaller practices, practices grossing five to 600,000 or less, um, but uh, so being a, being aware of your timeline, how soon you need to sell the practice or you, you would like to practice and then uh, and then planning accordingly. That's true. I, I, part of this is propagated because most people who um, come out of school or have, you know, all schools are in pretty large areas and they get accustomed to those benefits of living in a bigger city. And typically they want to stay in that type of re arrangement even if it's somewhere in the country. And so consequently, demand is higher in in urban or suburban areas than it is in small town. And it's the same with real estate, same situation. So consequently, people are probably willing to pay a little bit more value or, or, or more for a practice in a more desirable setting than in areas of the country where they're not. Number two is I think 
the students are saddled with so much debt now that that's creating a problem with practices that are gross, low grossing practices because they it won't spend enough enough cash flow to address their school debt and their personal income needs. right and that that that's uh, lately i've seen that in the last five years is playing a huge bigger impact than i ever saw it years ago is yeah, i agree well and not many are interested in buying those smaller practices and growing them which used to be they would you know pick up a smaller practice work part-time somewhere else uh, while they're building up that practice but fewer and fewer are interested in doing that that's true what would you say is the next well, we briefly talked about getting the right, you know, hopefully identifying the right successor, talking about the culture they have in their practice, and hopefully someone that has a skill set that's complementary with the seller and what they type do. So that could talk about philosophy, the type of treatment planning they do. There's some practices that have a bunch of subspecialty work in there, and that could pose a problem with the average buyer who doesn't do that type of treatment. So... Yeah, I agree. Plus, personality types can make a big difference. You've got somebody who's very outgoing and gregarious, connects with patients, somebody who's maybe a little more reserved, type B. Sometimes that can be a challenge in a transition. That's true. We've uh, talked before on this podcast about the importance of involving <laughs> staff, but that would be our next item. That would be number four on our list is involve your staff. Earlier in the process, the better. If you want to know more about that, find the podcast about telling staff, but we really can't emphasize that much enough. Um, the number of times we've seen problems when staff are not told soon enough, uh, and very rarely, if ever, I, I, can't, I can't think of any time that we've had a problem where we've told staff early in the process. Yeah, the earlier they're, they're much more engaging and participating. I, I remember one practice was very interesting is the seller, uh, when he would actually interview these buyers, he actually had the staff meet them and they they would sit down and talk to them and ask them and it was interesting in the end he gave he he had the final decision but he asked the staff of the five they had interviewed who they choose and they chose this one particular dentist and uh that turned out to be a, a great pick so um, well they're more more inclined to be helpful through the transition and be on board with it they feel empowered i mean there's just so many reasons why telling your staff and involving them early in this in the process is important what about financially preparing? What would you say, Larry? Well, that, they need to get with their financial planner. Uh, the problem we've seen arise sometimes when people need to figure out how to squeeze every last dime out of a transition. That's an indication that they, they may not have prepared adequately financially to retire. And sometimes when that happens, that makes it difficult for the transition. Agreed. Yeah, that can put an undue stress on a transition when there's a certain dollar amount needs to get out. So I, I, number five, of course, save for retirement. Number six, I'd say spruce up. Don't go out and spend a lot of money on new equipment because you won't recapture that in the cell. But if you've still got shag carpeting and wood paneling and <laughs> and old stand-up J Ritter units, right? Like Yeah. Yeah, I would say yeah, it depends how old equipment, but yeah, sometimes it just you can hire a upholstery uh uh, companies that will come in and reupholster a chair and it'll look almost like brand new. It, it depends. But if you've got chairs that got holes in it, boy, I'll tell you that perception of value shoots down. It's like no different than doing real estate, you know, yeah. new carpet, fresh coat of paint, new flooring. Yeah. A few things like that can go a long oh, way. Yeah. Go a long ways and clean up all the clutter, man, the stuff that's in cabinets and in the back and make sure it's cleaned up. That just, that just shows better. Agreed. 
Agreed. I would say the only piece of equipment that's probably a, a must anymore, if you haven't upgraded already, is digital radiography. That's true. They they need if they don't they need to do digital. That would be one investment because ninety nine percent of the buyers out there they never processed an X ray the old fashioned way. Right. But they don't have to go elaborate with that. Something I would say probably uh, like a Point refurbished sensor. system or yeah. something. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Like Number seven on the list. Say evaluate your collections and fees. You want to stay contemporary there. Yeah. Well, they just need to look at their fees and what they've had. Um, some, you know, the most sensitive fee that increases is your hygiene fee, obviously, much more so than your crown fee. But, you know, uh, look at the fees where they are and make sure they're still in the market range. And I would also look at the accounts receivable. You know, if they got a lot of old stuff on the system, hey, I would just get it out of the system. If they're not going to collect it, take it out of the system. Because that's a, in the mind of a buyer, if there's huge, a lot of AR over 90 days, they see that as a red flag. Most yeah. of that is just the fact that it's just been on the system and hasn't been taken out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure your fee schedules are up to date, cleaning up old accounts. Excellent. Uh, one thing, I don't see this often, we call it skimming, but I would say, you know, number eight on our list is avoid skimming. We call it skimming. To define skimming is where maybe the doctor will become very aggressive. Dentists will become very aggressive with treatment planning right before they know they're going to sell to try and pad the numbers. So in the year before, maybe they, all the things that they've been watching, they all of a sudden start doing. And that's something that we'll look for in, a, in when we're doing a practice valuation. Hey, has there been this increase, this dramatic increase in revenues without a corresponding increase in patient flow? Uh, if so, that could be in, indicative of what we call skimming, which is kind of killing the the goose right it's laying yeah, the golden eggs that's true stripping the meat off the bone and like you just said if the production shoots up but they don't have a corresponding increase in new patient flow yeah that tells me they're going back and doing all that work that was supposed to be sitting in the wings for years and now they're just trying trying to get more revenue because in their mind they think it's a percentage of the last 12 months gross revenue is what they're going to get for their practice and that's not true but Unfortunately, that can come back to haunt the seller if they were doing that. Right. Then our last two items, number nine, stay with your PPOs. I once had an office that uh, knew he was going to sell, so he dropped all of his PPOs thinking, oh, it'll look better if I have a fee-for-service practice. He didn't stop to realize the fallout that would come from that and patient attrition. They created a, an element of risk that we just couldn't quantify, so it made it very difficult in the, in the transition. So keep the status quo. Don't make any changes with your PPO. And and that's really leads us into number 10, which is it's maintain the status quo, try and keep as much continuity as possible in the practice, continuity with staff, location, insurance plans. Uh, I mean, the more we can show that the practice is being consistent, that consistency means lower risk, which means higher value. That's true. And then the last thing, this is one more, we didn't comment, but if they have stuff that they're doing like ortho, we're talking about a GP here. But if they're doing ortho or TMD or something like that, they probably wouldn't, shouldn't start new cases. They should start phasing that because that's pretty difficult to transfer to a new buyer. So if they're doing some specialty work, it's kind of outside the norm. I tell them don't start any new cases. Agreed. Yep. Very smart. Sage wisdom. So hopefully these 10 items as we finish up this podcast, uh, appreciate you 
Larry, joining us and sharing your insights. And hopefully these 10 items have been helpful uh, for those of you that are listening. Yeah, thank you.